0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to a bonus episode right before the holidays. Live life alcohol free with Kay Allison. Something about Kate that really brought my antenna very carefully into my spotlight was that she has juicy AF as her logo, as her mission. And when I first saw this, I was thinking, oh my god, what is this? I was very intrigued. I was a bit lost for words. What is very important is that you need to stand out and Kay Allison is someone that truly does that. A bit about Kay and her amazing alcohol-free Journey and her book in just a few moments because I have a bit of introduction that I want to share with you first. In 1999, Kay Allison was a senior vice president at a global ad agency and a single mom as her drinking escalated to the point that she went alcohol free. It sounds amazing being alcohol-free. Kay is going to tell us what exactly happened. What is her story? Because now, more than anything, Kay is happy with herself. Since then, Kay increased her income six times. Met and married a man she's still crazy about 21 years ago. Okay. You need to tell us about this as well. Helped Fortune 200 companies generate $2 billion in new revenue, adopted a child, written two books, invented four successful businesses, traveled around the world, and moved to her dream town. Not to mention that she lives in a pine forest complete with a waterfall. Kay, welcome. It's such a pleasure to have you with us today.
1: I am so flattered and thrilled to be here.
0: You truly are an amazing person, Kay. And let me tell you that I have read your introduction several times and I was wondering, how, how, how? And just a few moments before starting, you told me this amazing story that this woman was asking you, how, what, where? And you said... I said, I got
1: sober, and she she wrote to me that she was shocked by that answer, and that it took her years, but now her relationship with alcohol is completely different. And she said that it was the fact that I told my story without shame that landed with her and changed her life. Just gives me goosebumps.
0: It's amazing and it sounds so simple, but I have this feeling that it wasn't very simple at the beginning. So, can you please share with us your story about your mission?
1: When I was early in my journey of being alcohol free, I walked into a recovery meeting and there was a woman who was telling her story. She was gorgeous. She was, um, she had like a bright red lips and a big smile, dressed in designer clothes, articulate. And she told about this incident. She said, It was in my living room. It was 3 a.m. with my husband and my boyfriend and the police. And I thought this was perfectly normal. And she threw back this mane of curls and she laughed. And I had that same level of shock, like viscerally in my body, I was shocked. Because at the time, what I was doing was buried under layers of shame and remorse and regret and embarrassment and a piece of wallpaper in front of it saying, nothing to see here, pass on by. And she represented to me freedom, freedom from alcohol freedom from shame, and the sense of sparkling aliveness and fun that I was super attracted to then and wanted for myself. And today, that's what I want to be to other
0: professional women. This is amazing, Kay. Would you say that being sober is a decision that you had to make every single day that you still have to make every single day? Or was it something strong that happened one time and that's it?
1: What I have learned is that it's actually easier to make a 100% commitment to the idea of being alcohol free than it is to try to moderate or to make a 99% commitment. Here's the reason why. We make 35,000 decisions every single day, and our deciders get tired. They get worn out. It's why you start Monday morning eating an egg white, you know, scramble, and by Friday night you're having pizza and beer. Our deciders get tired. And even a 99% commitment means that every time you're in a situation where you feel stressed or like you'd like the – edge taken off or you're in a social situation that means you are constantly having to decide is this the one percent is this the one percent and when you have a tired decider you go with what feels good in the moment and so for me it was like a light switch that flipped from on to off and I was simply done
0: Talk about how strong committing 100% really is. You are so right. And when we do that, everything changes around us, no doubt. And can you please share with us, since we are stories about fear, how would you say that fear has maybe helped you through the years? How do you see fear now?
1: So I have... And have had this existential fear that somehow I'm not good enough. I'm not thin enough, successful enough, pretty enough, young enough, old enough, you know, whatever it happens to be, just not enough in some way, this this fear of fundamentally being inadequate. And when I was young, the, it drove me. And it helped me to achieve ridiculous levels of success. I was the classic overachiever, insecure overachiever. And I'm really grateful for the success that I had. There's a real benefit to being a straight A student and getting good jobs and being the youngest vice president. And, you know, there's a lot of advantage to having had those experiences. But today, that fear is the edge that needs to be taken off with that first glass of wine. And so I have had to invent new ways of being in the world to substitute for that fear so that I don't develop the edge that needs to be taken off with alcohol.
0: Beautifully said, Kay. I love it. And whether we want to admit this or not, we all have our fears and it's very natural. It's very normal to feel fear. It's a part of us human beings. And I have a feeling that the last time we checked, we are still human. So it's basically impossible to get rid of fear. And I would say that we should embrace it. And as you said, just look for different ways to get your mission out there rather than dwelling into something that doesn't truly serve you, on the contrary. Because I have read about alcohol. I have had people in my family drinking when I was a child and it did impact me a lot. And there are many people, even nowadays, that say, oh, a glass of wine just gives me inspiration. It gives me So much courage. I feel that I can uh, conquer the world. I feel that I can be more authentic, some people say. I beg to differ. I do not think this. What do you think, Kay? We
1: know that alcohol decreases our inhibitions, increases our impulsivity, and long-term... It increases our anxiety, even drinking moderately. And by that, I mean one glass of wine a night. If you regularly drink seven drinks, regular sized drinks, a week, your body adjusts to be baseline more anxious. Um, it's the miracle of homeostasis. Our bodies want to be in that safe zone and we our bodies adjust to the regular infusion of this depressant and relaxant, and baseline we get even more anxious so that once the alcohol does come online, we don't get so relaxed that we forget to breathe. Um, It also disrupts our sleep, which means that our cortisol levels, our stress hormone levels are higher and it rewires our neural circuitry so that the habit of picking up a glass of wine to take the edge off our fear or our anxiety becomes a habit that is impossible to break way before we even know it. So while alcohol in our culture is thought of as a way to handle our anxiety, it actually is a cause. Of our anxiety.
0: I completely agree. You are so right. And I do my best to avoid people that have had even a drink as much as possible, even during the holidays, because I feel that they literally lose themselves. It's not that person, the one that I know, the sober one anymore. And I know about family members that have had parents or grandparents drinking alcohol that would need to go into some sort of therapy. Can you please maybe tell us about this? Because I have had many friends that have been right in front of their parents drinking and it has affected them. But no one thought of asking for help for themselves as well, not only for their parents.
1: I want to say two things about this. First, here in the United States, there's something called mommy wine culture. And basically, you know, it's women with kids getting together and drinking while their kids are playing together. And I think the message it sends to your kids is, I have to be buzzed or hungover in order to deal with you, which is not the message... I mean, I did that. I didn't get sober until my kids were, my older kids were nine and 16. I can tell you that it's actually easier to be a mom without that. Uh, So that's number one. Um, Number two, our culture also seems to believe that you have to have a problem with alcohol to decide to go alcohol free. And what I believe instead is that we can always do an audit of the benefits that we get and the costs that our drinking incurs. And then take a look at the lists and say, which of these, which are my most important three things? Because there are trade offs. You know, is it easier to go into a networking event or a party And have a glass of wine in hand to take that social anxiety down. Of course it is. And that's a short-term kind of immediate benefit. But the consequence of being more stressed, more anxious, having lower energy and disrupted sleep, you got to decide which set of problems would you rather have. Would you rather have the momentary discomfort of Walking into a party and saying hello to somebody for the first time, or would you rather have the longer term, more life changing consequence of being stressed out and exhausted all the time?
0: This is very powerful, and I'm very grateful that you said this. And hopefully, things are changing since you have a great impact. Since you already have a few books out, another one is on the way, and can you please tell us all about your Juicy AF, Juicy Alcohol-Free book, launching in less than a month, right?
1: Yeah, the launch date is January 10th. Um, It's available in hardcover and paperback and ebook, be available on Amazon on January 10th. And it is... Uh, designed for professional, high-achieving women, there are three parts to it. The first is an invitation of different ways to assess your drinking habit. The second part is very tactical, practical ways to set yourself up to being alcohol-free, including scripts for how to sti- how to handle seven sticky social situations. And then the last part really is about, what do you substitute? What do you substitute in your world, not only for the activities that you did, that drinking was a big part of, but how do you manage that fear loop that runs about not being good enough, or putting everybody's needs ahead of yours and being resentful, Or feeling like a victim, like you don't have any agency in your life. And so really the third part of the book is how do you walk through your days without developing that edge of anxiety and resentment and irritability that that first sip of wine seemed to dissolve?
0: Wow. This is going to be an amazing reading for everyone that has struggled with this, that is struggling with alcohol. But I have a feeling it is for also um, those that are struggling with anxiety because it's very similar to smoking. I do not smoke, but I do see friends that when they're smoking, the first smoke as you call it earlier, the first sip of wine literally is detensing them. They feel like all of their anxiety went away. But what a dream because it's not really that. It's just how you programmed your mind to work when you're around these... um, harmless or not so harmless drugs. So maybe Kay, can you please share with us for someone that is at the beginning of their journey, trying to understand how to cope with stress, anxiety, and alcohol, what would be the first step so that they can truly start into building a different life for themselves?
1: It really is about substituting something else for picking up a drink at the very beginning. So at the very beginning, I have five Ms that I recommend to people. One is to move, move your body. We know one of the instinctive ways of dealing with fear is flight. And the good news is you can take the energy of anxiety and turn it into movement. I have learned that moving a muscle moves your mind. So move is the first one. The second one is eat, masticate, right? So actually chew on something. And this works for a variety of reasons. Uh, One is uh, the act of chewing itself actually regulates your nervous system. So if you chew, even if you chew gum, um, but something that... That you chew on—that's you know—gives you that mouth feel, that mouth sensation uh, helps regulate your nervous system. Um, Medicate for people that really, really are struggling with cravings. There's a drug called Naltrexone that minimizes cravings, and if you're really struggling, why wouldn't you, right? The fourth is to meditate, and I'm not talking about 60 minutes in full lotus, you know, with incense going. I'm talking about counting your exhales up to 10, and then starting back over at 1. And doing this and making your exhales longer than your inhales, again, it regulates your nervous system. And the last one, the most fun one, is to masturbate. Like, why not have an orgasm? It floods your system with the same happy hormones that you get from that the sound of the wine cork popping out of the bottle. Um, so there are ways to take the edge off by intervening uh, physiologically to deal with body regulation.
0: Wonderful. Thank you for mentioning this. Now I'm taking notes and I advise that everyone... Listening to us does the same because Kay has some amazing stress relievers more than anything that can truly make you have a different feel for keeping your mind under your control. Because this is the end goal at the end of the day, isn't it? Kay, that's
1: why meditation is so important to me. It's like a, a clutch on a car. The gears that are so enmeshed with each other, if you can meditate and divert your thinking to your breaths, that habitual kind of link between I'm coming home and I need a glass of wine, it gets, uh, they detach from each other and it gives you a chance to redirect your thinking and redirect
0: your actions. It makes all the sense. Okay, would there be a life motto that you live by? Can you please share that with us?
1: Well, I'm very clear about my life's mission. My life's mission is to bring light, hope, and energy to people who are stuck, lost, and abandoned. And that runs through everything
0: in my world. Beautifully said would you say that is there anything from the exterior that gets you inspired or is it just your own interior world that keeps you going and doing more and more for everyone around you? I use this concept called the Copernican shift. So remember Copernicus?
1: He was the one that said, oh, no, no, it's not the sun that revolves around the earth. It's the earth that orbits the sun. And in the same way, I find that when I am thinking about myself a hundred percent of the time that I get way anxious and fearful and things don't flow. And so if I put something else in the center of my universe, it takes that pressure off And so the things that I put in the center of my universe, it's helping other women, it's nature, it's why I live in Boulder, Colorado, where I can hike out my front door. Um, It's For me, it's uh, visualization techniques uh, where I actually really do uh, change the color and the vibration of um, my chakras. I mean, I live in Boulder. Everybody talks about chakras. And, um, and play. So if I substitute my self-centered thinking, if I substitute one of these other things, nature, um, visualization, being of service, and being playful on a more profound level, those are a way for me to move through my world without developing
0: anxiety. Thank you for this. This is very inspiring, and it just reminds me of public speaking. Right, Kay, when you're in front of the people that you want to serve, if you're thinking, maybe my makeup is not looking 100% amazing, maybe my hair is off, maybe, maybe, maybe. Indeed, so much anxiety, but when you focus on delivering, on serving, on your audience, it literally all goes away because you are there to help. And Mm -hmm. I'm so grateful that you mentioned this. Thank you for this amazing insight. And before, I was was a cellist professionally at the beginning of
1: my career, and I had the opportunity to take a master class with a world-renowned cellist. And I was so scared that my hands were shaking so badly that I could barely play the instrument. And he was so gracious and kind. And he said to me, if you think about being perfect, you're never going to get over this. But if you lose yourself in the music, it's going to be magnificent. And I had the opportunity, I ran into him several years later, and I said, well, I don't play cello anymore, I'm now, you know, marketing executive, but when I present, and when I'm in front of a large audience, that's exactly what I think about. And so I learned that lesson in a different context, very young.
0: What a beautiful metaphor. Okay, now I understand your creativity as well, where it comes (laughs) from. (laughs) Thank you for sharing this. And Kay, before you tell us where can our audience get in touch with you, is there a word of wisdom that you would like our audience to maybe ponder over? I would suggest that instead of Considering fear something
1: that needs to be cut out and removed and is a problem, to accept it, to allow it, to watch where it is in our bodies, what happens to our breathing, what happens to our thinking, to become an observer of the experience and to watch it the way, if we were our own mothers or fathers, how we would watch ourselves experiencing that with some kindness and some compassion and with love that is unconditional and fear is not a bad thing it is simply an experience that we are having and you get to choose what you do with it do you let it cripple you do you take fear naps do you or do you welcome it and embrace it and love it and Accept it as part of the human condition that perhaps there's a lesson for you to learn buried
0: inside of it. Beautifully said, Kay. Thank you so much for this. I have to be very honest with you and tell you that I'm very inspired in new ways of thinking about fear since it's such a natural part of us, as you have just said so beautifully. Okay, where can we get in touch with you? How can we see so, your amazing work? The,
1: I am so excited about this. Um, if you go to juicyaf.life forward slash book, not only will you get the book, you will also get a 30-minute private call with me an anxiety and energy audit with me plus a workbook and a journal that aren't available anywhere else. So juicyaf.life forward slash book is the place where you can pre-order and get all those goodies.
0: That is just wonderful. And for our fearless friends listening to us, you are going to have all of Kay's details in the description of this beautiful, very inspiring episode what an honor, Kate. Thank you so much for being with us today. And I look forward to having more of your amazing energy out there.
1: Oh, thank you so much. And I hope that I was hopeful to at least one of your listeners today. For
0: sure. Thank you so much. Thank you.